Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm going to get on my soapbox here. Just once again, bear with me real quick. How many reaction videos do I need to dismiss in my YouTube feed before the algorithm starts getting the message? How many times do I have to scroll through trying to find something I actually want to watch and see a YouTuber who has a video called Reaction Video to Goodfellas? (laughs) First time watching The Matrix. I know they're good movies, and I have a feeling you're going to watch them and go, Whoa! This movie's amazing! I know. Believe me. I know. I mean, I'm Alex. It's a a harsh takedown of PewDiePie over there. Um, (laughs) uh, And I'm Britton, the gem that gives you a combo in this little match three puzzle game we call Here Come the Sequels. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You fit me in and then everything, all the candy disappears. So (laughs) delicious. Says the listener. Level up. Level up. Um, You did it. Alex, I feel like that was a very, it's not, I don't even know what exactly I'm thinking of, but like, it was like a podcast opening to a much angrier show. <laughs> like, I feel like that <laughs> was like, there are podcasts that do intros like that, where, where somebody's just like laying down the law about how they're mad about something. Well, they're all going to start going on about like political conspiracy theories <laughs> or something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. These are, wow. These are, wow. Hey, Alex. Hey, bud. Hey, bud, wow, there are a lot of these, huh? (laughs) Hey, God, hey, YouTube, are you good? (laughs) There's there's a lot of these. Which is what we're talking about today on the podcast. Live. There's a lot of good for the first time. I think at some point I accidentally clicked on a video of like, oh, reacting to the Dune trailer or something like that. And then, like, the algorithm just has not let me forget it. (laughs) Like, we've, we've got an in. And it's like, no, I don't need a 35-year-old telling me how they watched The Departed for the first time. I don't care. <laughs> I know mean, now, I anyways, let's about. talk about our reactions you know I, to Halloween. You know what I do care about is Halloween. I was doing a segue. Uh, Alex, talk about the numbers for Halloween. <laughs> uh, Halloween from 1978, directed by John Carpenter. It has a 96% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 89% audience score. And I feel like I need to add in a little more detail here. My problem isn't people are reviewing these movies. That's not the problem. It's specifically the reaction video nature of it, because I already think reaction videos are stupid. But the fact that they're doing, like, commentary tracks that are spliced up, and it's just them going, whoa! I I don't like it. Right. (laughs) <laughs> i don't like it y- you know what i do like <laughs> the movie halloween the yeah. seminal classic directed by john carpenter uh, um, quick, did, did we explain last episode why we are doing halloween in august or do we need to provide a little context for that going oh forward? you know i don't know if we did we talked about so basically we we, we have already decided we're going to commit to at least the first six movies and just get them out of the way no matter what and, and no matter if we feel awful at the end, um, because that's just like a chunk that would be weird to break up. It's going to be weird if we do decide to bail after those first six, because we're going to have this stretch of reviewing Halloween in like the middle of August and September. Um, 
But what we are trying to do is review the entire franchise for the lead up to Halloween Kills coming yep. out and ideally hitting that the weekend or the week of Halloween, having that be our, our Halloween special or at least part of our Halloween festivities. Um, which we'll see if we make it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we make it and we will be breaking our sometimes applied rule of waiting until a movie has come out uh on like home release before reviewing it um is that one one that's coming out digitally somehow or is that just going to be in theaters do we know i'm not sure okay well there's no way of knowing um moving on (laughs) yeah so that's why we're talking about this and and what is probably going to be uh the the very top of the hill here the very yeah the uh highest we ever reach with this franchise um, yeah, I don't know if anyone has ever been praised for climbing down Mount Everest, but mm-hmm. we're going to try. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Halloween is is a good film. Yeah. Tyler, would you like to start then for best sure. and worst? I will. I will give it a shot. Um, my best thing about the movie. <laughs> well, well, I think I'd have to start with the direction, the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the cast <laughs> um i think i will say my best thing is the i'll say specifically the atmosphere created from the direction um there are so many fun interesting camera angles and takes that happen throughout this movie that give it such a sense of unease because there's always enough in the background that you're watching you're you're trying to see oh is mike myers gonna pop up it's gonna be Mike Myers is Michael Myers going to pop up. It's going to be terrifying. Um, Look, we just did four Shrek we movies. Did... We're bound to do that That's many times. Um, you know, is he, is he going to be hiding around the corner? And, and, you know, is he sneaking past my main character here? Um, there is, it, it's always up and down streets. So it's always going, following action as, as people are walking up and down um, or driving around, you know, there, there's this sense of constant momentum and not really knowing exactly what's going to be around the corner. Um, sometimes the camera is working backwards so that you're seeing everything in the background. And again, there's that sense of what, what could be hiding back there. Um, there's a great shot, uh, that I, I forget, was it you, Alex or Britain who pointed out that, um, there's very specifically the shot where Michael Myers drives past Loomis, mm, yeah, uh, Alex, the doctor, yeah. Uh, on the sidewalk as he's sitting there and like it's not blink if you'll miss it because it's pretty clearly he's driving through the scene but it would be possible to not catch that he's in the background he, he's in the background earlier in the scene when loomis is talking to the deputy or whoever um and you see the car back there and it drives right by and they it doesn't really focus right in on it it's just loomis is sitting around yeah. on the street like what do i do now um it's it's great and there, I don't think there's a ton of other details exactly like that, but there's a sense that that could be happening at any given time. Um, and then, of course, when we get into the actual night and the murders, and there's so many shots where it's just people watching across a street and wondering, you know, what's happening inside that house. <laughs> we know what's happening inside that house, and it's not good. But they don't know that, and they're just... And it, it really evokes the goal of the the film uh as far as i can tell which is to create the sense of unease and dread about what could be happening in a super quiet suburban town on halloween night um 
and obviously that's evoked by the ending as well when Michael Myers gets away uh, and we just get a couple of really creepy shots of an abandoned street, an empty room, some shadows, staircase. Uh, It's, it's perfect. It's exactly right. It nails it. Um, And just to quickly add on to that, I believe over all of that, we just hear Michael's breathing. mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, all of that, there's point of view shots sometimes that are like, whose point of view is this? Is this Michael Myers? Why why are we looking at this from this super weird angle? It's great. It's also gorgeous. And we can talk about that. It's a it's a very nice looking film, but specifically the way the camera is used to make you just constantly be on the edge of your seat and to, to give you something that lingers with you after you finish the movie. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, it's really well done. Um, I mean, I don't, I definitely don't have any strong worst things. I would say, I think my worst overall would probably be, <laughs> I almost want to say, and this, this feels like I'm jumping uh, the gun because we've only just started this franchise that is going to get increasingly tropey. Uh, I'm sure I've actually only ever watched this one and the most recent reboot. I don't think I've watched any of the other movies, so I'll be curious to see how I feel, but um, the one thing I will say is that this really starts the trope of uh, teenagers who are having sex, getting murdered by <laughs> some sort of slasher villain um and obviously that that in this movie and in many movies to come it is accompanied by nude girls getting murdered while naked and vulnerable and like there is an element of that that is uh we'll say unsavory and Mm -hmm. is is, starts tropes that are i would say not great or not, not even necessarily like any offensive but just over time end up becoming something that's very oh that you know you're just going to kill off the girl and like basically are shaming these teenagers for having sex and yeah um we'll continue to have to touch on that theme i am sure and we'll continue to address that uh but it, it does start it and it it's not I don't want to necessarily give it a pass because it's the first time that it was done. I know that that helps it be be more shocking. And at the time I'm sure it was uh, horrifying to be somebody watching this movie for the first time and not really having the, that background of horror franchises that we have today, but it is the movie that really starts that to the best of my knowledge. Um, So I feel like that's something that's worth pointing out as like a, "Mm, you, you didn't have to take it, in that direction, I guess. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And it's something that has become a lot more salacious and Mm -hmm. cruel over time Mm -hmm. where other movies seem to overtly be taking glee and killing naked people, specifically naked women. And I think this movie, and this is going to bleed into my, uh, or bleed, lead into my best thing. I think to some degree, it's, it's thematic because it's it's voyeuristic and mm. the camera is very voyeuristic in this True. movie in a lot of ways purposefully so 
And in a lot of movies to come, perhaps in this franchise, certainly in others, it was just like, no, she's naked because you get to see her be naked and then you get to see her be killed. And don't we like that? Yeah. And it's like, uh, well, hang on. <laughs> um, this is obviously something that is covered in Cabin in the Woods, um, which is a great movie for me. But this one, uh, my best thing is the camera, uh, which uh, is comprises both the work by John Carpenter and Dean Cundy, the DP. It's just great. Like it's, it's artfully shot and it is, it does look beautiful. There's just the lighting and there's just like pretty visually pretty shots, but it, it, it's so creepy because so often like just that opening shot, uh, the opening scene where Michael Myers kills his, his sister is, is all one shot and it's through his perspective when he puts the mask on and everything. Mm -hmm. And that's great. But then throughout the movie, you're constantly having the cameras, like the scene will start far away and you'll follow these young women together as they're talking. And you can hear them clearly because they're mic'd, but like he's watching them. And then you'll see like the school from outside the fence. Yeah. And it's really effective how it never, occasionally it is directly. This is Michael Myers POV. But a lot of the times it's just, no, we're just present. This is just the camera. We're just mm-hmm. presenting the movie to you, but in this way that evokes a sense of predatory uh, uh, tension and voyeurism, which I thought was really, really effective and cool and just creative. And it was interesting. Like it was the kind of thing you don't really, I at least wasn't expecting from a movie like that. I thought it was really well done. My worst thing is surprisingly not the character of Annie, though I will have much to complain about with Annie. Um, well, one or two things. My worst thing is, and this is a minor nitpick, but it felt like Michael Myers became kind of inept at the very end. Like, there are a few places where he just missed. <laughs> like, he was he would go to stab Jamie Lee Curtis, and she wouldn't, like, dodge at the last second or punch him in the stomach. He would just, like, go in for a stab and then, like, hit her sleeve. And it wasn't, <laughs> like, a particularly puffy sleeve. I know it was the <laughs> 70s. But the, it felt like there were a couple of moments where I was like, I feel like this is just luck and this feels like it's not, it really is not a, it didn't take me out of it or anything, but it felt like there were a few moments where he just got clumsy. Sure. But at the same time, that's the first time in the movie where he is actively pursuing a person who is intentionally evading him and trying to fight back. Whereas everybody else, he just sort of appears in front of them and they scream and he kills them. So he, maybe he is just a naturally clumsy person and he hasn't really, we haven't had reason to know that about him. But it was something that I thought was not not funny in a movie breaking way, but but funny in like a huh okay. So it's minor, but I noticed it. My best thing is going to be the overall. It's this almost sounds contradictory, but it, it's it's the ambiguity and the simplicity of Michael Myers, the mm-hmm. character. Uh, I like. And appreciate that this movie does not lean into, and obviously we go here with some of the sequels and the, the reboots and all of that, uh, because we have to have more story to tell. I appreciate that they don't really get into Michael Myers' backstory at all. It's just like, one day this boy killed his sister, and we don't know why. Um, there's not there's not really a clear motive. He's just pure evil. I, I really like that, and I, I like how... The movie doesn't get into 
is it something supernatural is it like a demonic entity that has yeah. possessed the child the, did the child just wake up one day and snap did he have a really bad day at school like we don't yeah. we don't get into any of that nonsense because we don't need it were the, the other clowns that... made to him and then robert de niro asked him a bunch mm-hmm. of mean questions mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know we we don't i mean we real it could be anything really <laughs> probably not that uh, last I, I think this is this is kind of one of those perfect little simple premises um, where they don't get bogged down in the details. Um, obviously, Alien comes out, you know, following this um, in 1979, and I think that very much has the same energy of just going. Yeah. Up. We're not going to explain where the alien came from. There's yeah. a ship. There's some dead thing, and there's a bunch of eggs. We're not going to explain it. Uh, and I think for horror films. They need to have like a sense of logic and a sense of rules in terms of how you're able to escape the danger. Um, but I think in terms of where the danger comes from, I, I think a lot of times it's more effective if you just don't address that at all. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I really, really like that. And, you know, it'll be interesting going back and exploring the sequels and the reboots and stuff because I really haven't seen many of them in, in quite a number of years but I'm wondering if I will latch on to any of those and think, oh, okay, I appreciate that they added on this element to the Michael Myers lore versus not. Um, I have a feeling I'm just going to dismiss most of it, but we'll see. <laughs> we we shall see. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, that that's really what helps Michael Myers be, be one of the kind of best uh, horror icons. Um, it's just the simplicity. It's... It, I mean, it, it, the mask and everything, like, it's just yeah. a very simple design. We don't, we, we don't, I mean, we do get that one shot of his face at the end of the movie, which honestly, I probably would have, I think in hindsight, I would have removed. <laughs> I would have said, no, we don't see his face. Have it completely in shadow. We don't need to see his face. Um, but that's, that's a nitpick. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really, really, really like Michael Myers as a, as a horror villain. Um, and don't delve into that backstory <laughs> i think my vision um, my vision for us doing this series is that by the end we'll be as um vitriolic and obsessed with the michael myers lore as star wars fans are with like which movies they accept and which movies they find to be acceptable in their canon and in their understanding of the universe i want to get there with with halloween i want us to be having shouting matches or oh yeah halloween 4 clearly gives the best take on his origin or rob zombies halloween 2 is the ideal uh halloween follow-up like i want i want to i want to get there britain britain i I have a feeling tyler and i are going to get into this heated debate over for like 15 minutes and then you're going to go I'm the Halloween three guy. Season of the Witch is my bag. No Michael Myers for me, I say. I've never seen Michael Myers and Thrawn in a room together. Um, I will say the one thing that I wish they had explained from his backstory is how did Michael Myers learn to drive? Sure. Because he's a little kid. And then next to you, you know, he's living in a, a van down by the river. Living in a mental institution <laughs> for twenty whatever years is is maybe is, D, is Donald Pleasance taking all the all the inmates out? Okay, let's <laughs> let's look. Yeah, you got, you got now ten and two, ten and two, Michael. It's actually top of the line uh, VR equipment. They use oh, okay. simulation. 
Because if also they ever might... get out, they don't want them to be, yeah. you know, unable to take care of themselves. They got to keep them up to date. That's true. He also might have listened to our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> which, that's true. Which has a surprising amount of uh, we, auto We might have taught tutorials. him at some point. Yeah. Oh, God. We're, we're, we're responsible. No. He Bioshock infinited us. <laughs> um, Alex, did you do your worst thing? No, not yet. <laughs> Please do. Please do so now. Uh, the movie is not perfect. There's a few kind of nitpicks that I have. I think for the most part, it's just really, really the simplicity is what works. It's 90 minutes. It's it's very effective. It knows what it wants to do. But I think there are a few places where the movie it takes some leaps in logic. Like you said, Britain, the fact that Michael Myers is able to drive so quick um, yeah. without he has no problems, apparently. <laughs> That'd be great if he showed up in Haddonfield and the car is just like completely because <laughs> he's just gotten in wreck after wreck, well, but he keeps going because he's Michael how, Myers. How do we know that he hasn't, you know, tested tested out his driving skills in some other cars first? He he sure. went up, took him around a bit. There's some total cars and like wrecked. He, he somehow wrapped a car around a scarecrow in the middle of a cornfield somewhere. <laughs> and then... It's a it's a. <laughs> It's a scarecrow again. That is, uh, Donald Pleasance just found him by following a trail of cars. <laughs> or I just imagine Donald, Ple- like, uh, uh, Donald Pleasance is like, wait, we have to find him. There! He's in the car, in the car just, he sees the car, and, like, the windshield wipers turn on. <laughs> and, like, the blinker, and you just, it's a lot of, like, herky-jerky. You just hear, like, oh, bang it, from inside. I really like the version of this movie that ends with, uh, Michael Myers just plowing through Loomis into the bank that just got robbed or wherever it is. Not a bank. I guess it's a, I don't remember exactly what the details are into this right in the store, just kills Loomis, smashes the car through, gets knocked out, yeah. taken back to the asylum. And that's the end. Wrap that story up. That scene drive was stick. weird just because I noticed, I think they said it was like a tool and hardware store, which yes. would explain like, Michael Myers, like that's where he grabs some some stuff. They I'm, mentioned rope. They they say specifics. He he grabs some of the stuff that 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 he uses towards the end of the movie. Two um, yards of stout rope. But but they also mentioned that he got the mask from there. I'm like, does the hardware store double as a <laughs> Halloween prop and costume store? It's a small Did town. Did they man. say that he got the mask from there? Yeah, they list that off as one of the things that was taken. Does he not have it earlier? No. Huh. Okay. But it, anyways, I mean, there's little things like that, right? Um, yeah, and he also got his ink cartridge refilled and his oil know. changed. Anyway. Look, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, I'm going to pull out a no price here. It's a small town. It's Halloween. You know, it's a general store, hardware store. Make a couple extra bucks. Yeah, they're just like, all right, you know, we got to get something for the kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, people like it a little more if they feel like we're in the spirit. We'll uh, get in a shipment of random Halloween stuff. Silly, silly like Halloween be at, stuff. Yeah. It's like you'd be at Toys R Us and be like, I guess I'll also get gum. Yeah. Yeah. It's not their primary product. I feel like a, a little little bit of a mini M&M's there. <laughs> <laughs> to, to go with my Tonka truck. <laughs> to go with my Tonka I truck. Wish, I wish that... The deputy had said cargo. that he's like, well, he stole this rope. He stole he stole a mask, a knife, some tape, and also uh, a little thing of many M and M's and some big league chew. Weird, <laughs> big chew. Original they, flavor, so you know he's bad. 
They get to the scene where they're at the Myers house and, and they're like, oh, there's a dead dog here. Oh, I guess he was hungry. And then right next to it is just an empty mini M&M's capsule. <laughs> <laughs> That's my other worst thing is that the dog dies. In sure. what sure. I have to ad- acknowledge is a really good shot because you just see the body go limp. Like it's really effective. Yeah. But I don't like that the dog dies. Sure. Uh, my my worst thing is just going to be, I feel like Dr. Loomis just doesn't get that much to do. I feel like he spends most of the movie just kind of standing outside the Myers house. Yeah. Yelling at the kids to go away. Mm-hmm. Also, one of the, the main kid, and I think th- those are the same kids that are supposed to be bullying Tommy at the school. Huh. Mm-hmm. At the beginning. One of them is na- named Lonnie. And... <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting for Britain to throw out a Lonnie Hall reference. But well, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Has that come but up on I, this I, podcast? Lonnie Hall? Yeah, it was where they were born. <laughs> okay. They were, uh, Lonnie Hall was the a composer for one of the James Bond movies. Right. She, she okay. did the theme for Never Say Never Again, if yeah. I remember correctly. And then I turned Lonnie Hall into a sort of genderless, like, being of, <laughs> of benevolence and chaos that sells roadside peaches. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm back on board. Yeah. Point being, <laughs> it's weird that, that we have Donald Pleasance, who, of course, is wonderful in the film and continues to be wonderful throughout all the movies that he's in. Um, He gets crazier as it goes, just as these movies get crazier. Uh, but he goes on so many rants about, you know, I looked behind his eyes and I saw nothing but death. And he's going on on these long monologues about how just how dangerous Michael Myers is. He spends most of the movie just standing around a house. <laughs> I kind of like the the sense of like the fact that he's always on his back foot. Um, he sure. almost finds the bodies that uh, Michael Myers left in the the field by the pickup truck, but he misses yeah. those. And he, you know, he misses Michael Myers driving right behind him as he's standing on the sidewalk. Uh, I kind of like that vibe. I kind of like that there is a constant. I am trying to find this person, but I'm very bad at it, and I don't know what to do. I am just a, uh, you know, doctor at an asylum. Yeah. I'm not a detective. Uh, what's going on? How do I save this or stop this uh, monster from, like, killing a bunch of people? Um, I kind of like the vibe, and I like the fact that I feel like that makes it really satisfying when he gets there at the end, and he does actually yeah. manage to stumble upon the right place before anybody else dies. Uh, at least in this movie, I don't know what happens in Halloween too, um, or Rob Zombie's Halloween too, but <laughs> so uh, is does he have a particular reason for killing this group of teens? Or because I know he goes back to his hometown, or is it just well you're here? <laughs> well, they were home. <laughs> like what's that's. The intent with this first film, because I don't want to, I don't want to sure, get into the sequels. Sure. The intent is that it's it's completely random. He just okay. comes across this group because, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, her family, uh, is trying to sell off the Myers house right at the beginning of the movie, and she's walking over. She's putting the keys up on the front porch so that you know, they're gonna have like a a walkthrough later of the house. Yeah. Um, and she's walking down the street with Tommy and Michael is standing there in the doorway, like watching them. So that's how he first picks his targets, yeah. which is why he <laughs> follows both of them through the rest of their days. And then, you know, he 
you know, he starts hunting yeah. uh, their friends because they're tagging along with them. Okay. Okay. So, once again, in this movie, it's supposed to be real. Sure. That yeah. That who that could it could have been whoever he saw. He would yeah. He would exactly. be targeting them. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Makes sense. Yeah. Um. I didn't like Annie. So Annie is, and and none of the characters in this movie. And I'm not crit- complaining. None of them are like that distinct or unique. Sure. And that's fine. Jamie Lee Curtis is good. That's really yeah. all you need. Yeah. But Annie, like all of them are like babysitting and they're going to have their different boyfriends come over, including Annie. She's going to meet up with Paul and they're going to, you know, spend some time together. But the entire movie, Annie is complaining about how she doesn't get to have sex, but everyone else is having sex all the time. And it's like, no one will bring it up. She'll be like, oh, hey, Lori, how's it going? And Lori's like... Oh, I'm okay. I'm a little nervous about that science test. Well, I bet if it were anatomy, you'd be pretty good at it. Everyone's good at anatomy except me. And just like every <laughs> single thing she twists around, like it's all double entendres, clumsy ones. And it was annoying because she kept being all upset that she wasn't having sex. But she's going to meet with a guy that night. It's not like a really Lori nice has guy plans. Named yeah. Michael Myers. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's not. it's not like... Lori had plans and Annie was jealous. It's like Lori goes, no, I don't have any guys coming over. Yeah, uh-huh, sure you don't. It's kind of like when I worked at the retirement community when I right out of high school. And they would say, oh, what are you doing for your birthday? And I was like, oh, not too much. And they're like, oh, I'm sure you're not doing too much. <laughs> and I would go, no, I'm really not. And they were like, oh, yeah, we, context. we we bet you're not doing anything. What? I'm like, I'm, I'm really not. Why is it so important to you that I be doing much? <laughs> like, a, Why are you so u- stubborn about this? What's a usual secretive, illicit thing to do on your birthday? Why, why is that? Probably, a... al- probably alcohol. Doing alcohol. <laughs> and cigarettes. <laughs> Um, which I, I wasn't, think the, but yeah, I do think the main Weird. reason that they exaggerate Annie's character is just to set up Lori as kind of like this, this sure. almost angelic character. She's, she's uh, like too perfect. Yeah. Um, the virgin to the point die. where she, she, she is the introvert. She's very awkward around people. She doesn't know how to approach guys and, and all yeah. that. And, and even the scene where they're driving down the street right before they run into the sheriff. And then uh, Loomis shows up, and then Michael Myers drives the car around. Um, they're smoking a joint, mm-hmm. and Lori is clearly, like, almost never smoked because she starts coughing right afterward. So, yeah, I, I think Annie's pushed a little over the top, but I, I do like how it, it it assists in establishing Lori's character. No, that's true. And I, of course, am exaggerating. I It was kind of funny. It, it, I did find it a, a tad bit annoying yeah. as well. Um, I will say the sheriff is actually the worst because he's the one that he's like creepily hitting on them and they're teenagers. <laughs> so is he hitting on them or is he just being an awkward dad? <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. There's a lot of overlap, I would say, just in terms <laughs> of like dad jokes, bad pickup lines. Like there's, yeah. there's an intersection uh, yeah, that's there. That's true. That's true. Uh, to... Uh, to your point about this being like a lot more respectful and in terms of like a slasher movie and how the female characters are represented and, and how they're killed. Um, it does help that Deborah Hill is a producer and one of the writers on this. Mm -hmm. So we, even from the beginning, we had a woman, a woman's voice in the room going for sure (laughs) making some of the calls. Um, so I, I have a feeling that, 
you know, if we go and watch like the Friday the 13th movies, if we're just going down the list of writers, it's probably all guys. Yeah. I would imagine. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> Sleepaway camp. What did we think of Jamie Lee Curtis? We haven't really brought her up yet. Oh, she's great. Yeah. I just like Jamie Lee Curtis on principle. And I, I know at the time it was this, her, you know, her mom was like the original scream queen in psycho. And so now she's kind of picking up the mantle, but like, I think she, she all, I, I think that even without her mother's legacy, she would have been really good at it. Like, I, I thought she was, I thought she was really good. Yeah. She's, just, she's very likable. She's very, because Jamie Lee Curtis as a performer, even now is just very human. She's very, very accessible and she's just, it's very easy to get on her side in a movie yeah. um yeah. even in something like knives out when she's not necessarily the hero she's just such a fun engaging performer um that even in this she was like 19 or something when she did it you're still like oh yeah that's like mm-hmm. a, a that's like a human person that's like a real person that i like to that i, I like spending time with in this movie and i'm glad she yeah. survives and considering like half of her time is spent either just like walking around looking at a window, mm-hmm. you know, that, that type of thing. T- telling the kids screaming. to sit down. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think it's, she doesn't come off as grating or annoying or anything. No, like she, no. she comes off as like, Oh, she's going to, she's going to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> like immediately. I think watching her performance and how that, e- even though I doubt her character gets, uh, the strongest writing and, or, progression over the course of this franchise at least up until the reboots um i i am very excited to see kind of how her performance evolves uh especially knowing the last movie that came out um i feel like it's a character that's pretty close to her heart yeah um regardless of the interpretations or how how things get changed up i would say her performance is consistent through all the movies that she's in I buy that. Um, <clears throat> I, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I was gonna say. No, 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 no. What I was gonna say, but it was really good. I believe you. S- sorry, listeners. Lost to the sands of time. Yep, behind a paywall. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Uh, John Carpenter's score. It's amazing. Oh, my it's goodness. iconic. Um, it's you can't great. beat it. Yeah, it's so well. Alex, you made a good point about how relentless the it is, and how that echoes Mike Michael Myers's. Yeah, tenacity. it's relentless and it's simplistic. It's the same notes, <laughs> basically repeated. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that thematically it just works. I mean that that is Michael Myers to a T. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just very interesting how like. I feel like with a movie with this small a budget and, you know, for the longest time, I think budget to profit, it was like the the biggest, the most successful movie of all time. Sure. Um, I think it would be very easy to just kind of like dismiss this because I know John Carpenter, I think he had done a couple of films prior to this, but I could see him going, it's just a dumb horror film. We're, we'll make our money back opening weekend. Like, I don't have to put that much effort into it, into this. But yeah. no. No, he goes all out. Like this yeah. is this is very much like it feels like a John Carpenter movie when you're watching it. It mm-hmm. has like all of his stylistic touches that I think carry through. And you know, I, I haven't seen all that many John Carpenter movies to be fair. I've seen this, Escape from New York, and the thing. 
but even just like watching those three movies, like I can tell watching each of them, like it kind of has that auteur stamp of like, no, I can tell this is a John Carpenter movie yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is awesome. Yes. Uh, I, I also really like the opening titles. Like it's so simple. It's a, it's a jack-o'-lantern and some creepy music and the names, but it's so mm-hmm. effective. Like it's such a tonal, like this is why it's, opening credit sequences can be really effective is because they set the tone for the movie so effectively when they're done well. And this one, like it's so simple, but it is spooky. Like watching this movie, I was like, Oh yeah, this is why jack-o'-lanterns can be scary. Like it's mm-hmm. just so unnerving. Yeah. Just sitting and there in the movie. There is, uh, yeah. there's one shot in particular that I remember standing out to me where, uh, I think it's after the three teenagers have been murdered and, um, Lori can't get anybody to answer her. She's trying to call. No one's picking up. Um, and so she's starting to sense that something's wrong and it's worrying. Um, and you see the shot like through the blinds across the street. And there's just the single jack-o'-lantern sitting on yeah. the porch, just chilling there. Mm-hmm. And it's all quiet. And yeah, it's really, the, the movie has a really great use of restraint. Um, and you know the the poster child for that is uh, Jaws, and sure. saying, "Oh, you don't get to see the shark as much," so that means that the it's more effective because it's it feels more real. Watching Jaws now, like the shark does not look real when when it does show up, and I think that can be distracting. Um, good as that movie is, this one to me, and it, I would go for I would talk about Alien as well in that in that. Alien also is pretty conservative about when it actually shows the alien. Towards the end, though, you get the guy in the Xenomorph costume, and it looks dated now. Like you can tell that it's a costume. Looks silly. There's some <laughs> Dal- silly shots. Dallas and the vents, and the aliens just trying to give him a hug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah! there's, some, there's some shots that are like, eh. but this one, it's just a dude in a mask, so that doesn't really lose its effectiveness. Yeah. And also, the movie is so constrained in how it actually shows you Michael Myers. Um, You don't see him. You don't even see the mask for, I feel like two thirds of the movie. Uh, Finally, it it pans up. Yeah. You you get some some long shots where it's like Laurie looks out the window of her classroom and and he's just like across the street, but you never get, yeah, that really up close look at it until like a, like one or two kills in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, the same comes through in the camera work where I was saying you get these looks of houses or specifically the house across the street sitting there. Nothing is happening. You know that horrible things have happened inside and are happening. And you know that Lori doesn't know this and is still kind of hoping that she's going to get to see her friends. You know, she might have to, or she's thinking about trying to go over there to check it out. Like that is so haunting to to see that and you don't have to see what michael myers is up to in that moment you just have to know he's out there somewhere probably in that house and we're just watching it uh and that's i think the most effective tool the movie uses is making you think about what's there instead of showing you anything in particular absolutely and i was really uh impressed with the scene where he kills the guy that looks like paul williams and then puts the sheet over him, makes the fake ghost, the well, the fake ghost costume. He makes the ghost costume and then goes upstairs and he's just standing in front of, I think, mm-hmm. Linda. 
and she's talking to him and he's just standing there with the with the sheet over him and it's it's kind of funny like in world that Mike, Michael Myers is like I'm going to have some fun. <laughs> I'm going to be a He is a bit of a ghost. troll in that way cuz like at yeah. the end he does stage all the bodies to like freak Lori out when she finally yeah. shows up to the house. Yeah. Um but I I really but it's it's scary. Like that, you know, person with a cheat over him is such a tropey Halloween like, yeah, for sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Charlie Brown. But then in this it's it's unnerving. It's spooky. Yeah. I like it. And it, it we don't have a high kill count and i really yeah. appreciate yeah, that yeah it's like it ta- what four people yeah and it takes its time with the kills too yeah. it, it's not just like no we need to get to them fast yeah <laughs> well it's kind of like jurassic park in that way right like jurassic park not sure. there are probably more people that die in jurassic park than in this but they're spaced out and it's not that many people when you really think about mm-hmm. it that get killed and then you watch Lost World, and it's like left and right, people are getting eaten, and you're like, "This isn't as fun yeah. <laughs> somehow." Um, yeah, less is more, or can be. Yep. Are we Are we just gonna sit here in, in awkward silence? <laughs> we're just. I'm, I'm tr- thinking. I'm tr- we're thinking about yeah. Halloween. You know. I'm I'm trying to emulate. Uh, the Myers man himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Britain, what's that? Why are you grabbing a, a, a sheet and putting it over your head? Britain? <laughs> Britain? <laughs> am I scary now? So in Oh the... no no, you need to <clears throat> you need to grab Tyler's glasses and yes. put those on. Now right. you're now you're scary. In the in the world of the movie, does he get a mask and then turn it inside out, or is that just the mask that he buys? And we we all know that it's a William Shatner mask, but like I think the idea is that that's just the mask in that world. Yeah, someone just was, was like, we, we need a mask idea. How about just like a white face? Eh, all right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> eh, why not? Now, the question, Like, like I some think, Japanese no theater. The question we have to ask ourselves is, does William Shatner exist in the Halloween universe? Is William Shatner wearing a Michael Myers mask? Uh, that's a good question. Alex, yeah, I don't know. Do they ever address William Shatner in any of the sequels? That is a very good question. I don't actually know. Is there like a scene where somebody's watching Star Trek? and There could potentially be a scene like that. I could see that happening. Actually, no one. There is. Is there not a clip from Star Trek in this movie? Am I being dumb? Did, did I just make that reference and then like completely... There's a, I'm pretty there's... sure there's a scene where they are watching Star Trek and they talk about reversing the polarity. Or I don't think, I think so. They watch like just Forbidden because Planet and stuff like that, like old all of the, movies. All Maybe of the it's movies here. they're watching towards the latter half are like old sci-fi and horror films. Okay. So maybe because yeah, like movies they movies they are watching the original thing. Alex, right. what would Michael Myers do with a bunch of trif- triffles? <laughs> Tribbles? Tribbles. I was thinking triffids. What would he do with a triffid or a tribble? What's a triffid? I don't um, know yet, but it was a he, movie he called would, Day of the Triffids. He would ask them uh, if they know how to drive. <laughs> Can you teach me how to, how to drive? Triffids, are, they're like a plant. Oh, yeah. Day of the Triffids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an old sci-fi, like, B-horror movie, and I think they did a remake. Man, that's a scary-looking plant, though. <laughs> Man, that's You know, nasty. Tyler, I, the more I'm thinking about it, I don't know if they I, I wouldn't think that they would have a star trek um 
reference in kind of future movies or anything, and obviously we'll find out, because after this second film, the mask changes wildly in design. Like, they don't... They don't keep the same uh, William Shatner mask. Um, they try and recreate it in ways, but it's mm-hmm. never really consistent. So I, I don't know that they would try and uh, openly call that out. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I would like to say that I searched Halloween 1978 old movies thinking, ah, well, there's a good chance that this is going to catch something weird in Google's algorithm, like, you know, old Halloween movies, articles, something like that. Uh, the, the first thing it did was pull up old, the, uh, M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> film from this year. But did it pull up a reaction video to old? It did not. So that's a, that's a Whoa, great... I just watched M. Night Shyamalan's new film, Old. I bet I'm going to get old watching this film. Whoa. Worth watching if you think film is important. Guys, I'm just <laughs> looking at pictures of these creepy plants. Mm-hmm. Man, this is pretty, pretty good, pretty good plant design. Um, do you, do you think Michael Myers, do you think Michael Myers would, do you think Michael Myers would be a a good, um, a a good guidance, guidance counselor? Yes, because sometimes you don't need to say anything. Mm-hmm. You just let the person make up their own. You mind. just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, just, you just need you to just listen. provide, you know, a presence, uh, a calming yeah. presence. Um, Some creepy breathing. That can be misconstrued as cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just and I and I feel like the mask helps because then that's like there's no there's no judgment. You can't you're not looking at that face and saying, "Oh, they're reacting to what I'm saying." You're looking at that face and that face is is still because it's there for you to have someone yeah. to talk to. <laughs> what I'm saying is that also scarecrows would be a good <laughs> guidance counselor. That's very true. That's very true. I love Scarecrows. That's odd that they changed, but I guess in the first movie, there was it wasn't an IP yet. So then after that, they're like, well, now we have, now there is a Michael Myers mask. It is not just a mask that Michael Myers is wearing. Right. Yeah, I might, I might need to go back and look at the behind the scenes to see why they changed the mask design. Because I believe one of the folks on the cast or crew just got to keep the mask for this one. And then when it came around to the sequel, they were like, hey, do you still have the mask? We kind of need that. And he's like, yeah, I've, I've had it like under my bed this whole time. Yeah, so he turned me into it. Cuban Pete and made me a big old prankster. <laughs> but my point is like it was very clearly like worn after a couple sure, of years. Sure, sure. And it's like, um, you know, and, and Halloween 2 is supposed to take place the same night. And it's like, nah, it doesn't really look like it's <laughs> the same I, night. I imagine they probably redesigned the... Uh hockey mask that jason wears i've never seen those movies probably yeah uh well i think there there are a couple of movies where it's like no these are supposed to take place like pretty close together and you just changed up the mask completely sure at the end we shouldn't do our rankings of the halloween films we should do our rankings (laughs) of the masks masks. (laughs) (laughs) well you know he he got uh shot and falls off the porch and he's like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a walk. I'm gonna take a take a deep breath and decompress. You know, you, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a walk before I do something I regret. Uh, and just goes goes out of town. You know, he can walk for a while. He is relentless. Um, and eventually he finds you know a bigger Halloween store. And he's like, ooh, I like this mask better. 
<laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna write uh, my script for Halloween one and a half, where <laughs> he murders a store for full of Halloween direct. Ha- murders people in a store full of Halloween decorations uh, in between whatever happens in Halloween 2 and this. A funny little thing happened on my way to Halloween 2. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I will say, uh, talking about the movie actually for a second, uh, what? When whenever we get scenes, and there's there's really one in particular which, where he's walking across the street because Laurie Lori goes over there and um, barely escapes from the house. Uh, and then comes sprinting back and the door is locked and she's trying to bang, bang on it and get in and, and he's walking across the street towards her. It's so effective yeah. that he doesn't run. He doesn't like, you know, I get, you'd almost call it power walking. <laughs> like he's, he's just like, I am on my way. I'm marching yeah. towards you. Uh, and the, the way the camera chooses to cut back the editing, it's, it's so perfect to just be like, Oh my gosh, is she going to make it in the house? What's happening? Um, and it's it's terrifying. Uh, it's it's completely terrifying to watch him get ever closer and not be something that is, you know, it, it, he's just a dude yeah. and he's just walking and somehow the movie makes that, you know, one of the, uh, or at least the, the beginning of the big action thriller ending. Um, it's pretty cool. It's well done. Now that that at the beginning when Lori is they're walking home and then she sees a guy does she see the real Mike Myers or is that just a guy in a suit? Like does she see Michael Myers? you know what I'm talking about? At the beginning? Yeah, that's him, probably. That is the real yeah. him? Okay. Yeah. Cause I I guess they set it up to be like, Oh, that was just this guy wearing a mask because it's Halloween and then you realize it was really him. Okay, cool, cool. Clarified. Now I get the movie. Halloween 1978 explained. <laughs> Whoa! Um, this is a I true story. I have been getting quite a number of those as well for Suicide Squad, but we'll leave that be. I'm dealing with one problem at a time. What? Is it the the first one or the new one? The new one. What is there? Okay. Um, it's mostly just dumb spoiler videos of. Every character killed off in the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Okay. It I watched the mortality. movie. Can I go now? I did while we were watching the movie. I forget what exactly I was trying to look up. Um, oh, I can't remember now. Somehow I stumbled upon a, I think it was a Screen Rant article. So I'm calling Screen Rant out right here, right now. Um, where the article was like, here's why the the bodies of the uh, of Michael Myers' second victims in Halloween were never found, or whatever, mm-hmm. whichever number of victims they were. And it's talking about the people who were killed, and then uh, Loomis finds their truck and matchbook, or the matchbook, and then uh, we pan over as Loomis leaves and find that they're, like, hidden in the cornfield there, or the... I keep saying cornfield. I don't know if it's actually cornfield. It might be hay. I don't know. <laughs> Midwestern crops of some sort. Um, and the article was just explaining that scene in the movie that that he very clearly does not find the bodies, and therefore that he didn't find the bodies. <laughs> and I'm like, right. wait, <laughs> excuse you. 
every moment in Halloween 1978 explained. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the script in Halloween 1978. The script in 19, Halloween 1978 explained. <laughs> the printing press explained. <laughs> uh, the life of Gutenberg explained. <laughs> trailers for trailers. So... <laughs> Is there is there just any point to any of it? No! The point to life explained. <laughs> Douglas by, by D. Adams. This is YouTube handle. Um, I don't know what else I have to say about Halloween. Uh, origins. <laughs> I'm shocked that they haven't tried that yet. Sure. Yeah. Where it stars like, I don't know, Anya Taylor Joy as a young Lori or something. Even though Lori's already young, mm-hmm. I would watch that movie. Who am I kidding? I guess that's a split, though, isn't it? I haven't watched that movie. Can we uh, can we do a deep fake on the Rob Zombie Halloween? Because Lori is in that, but it's a different actress. Can we put Anya Taylor Joy in that movie? <laughs> that's a that that'll up that'll upsell your movies to me for sure. She's great. <laughs> um, yeah, not not a whole lot else from me on this one i mean it's it's simple it's effective yeah. it just works it's a quick movie um, too it's yeah oh my 90 God. minutes in and out yeah. in and out you did it yep doesn't have convoluted nonsense to help pad the runtime no, um no, will... there's not a scene where Lori goes into a cave and looks at a bunch of light <laughs> it's a age of ultron reference i get it <laughs> I'm going to give it an although A. St- although Stellan Skarsgård did show up for a minute in this movie, and I was very confused. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, I was interrupting you. No, no, he just came in to tell us about the Chernobyl explosion. No! <laughs> oh, no! Uh, no, I'm going to give it an A. Uh, it, was, I, I, it was my first time watching it, and it was very impressive. A for impressive. And for Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go A plus. Uh, I think it's I think it's a Stone Cold classic. I think it's good stuff. Yeah. Um. I was I said that like I I realized like oh yeah I'm giving this an A plus and then I went to go look and I'm like, does this mean I have to reevaluate my top ten list? Mm. And I think I do. But yeah. Uh, that's a story for another day. That's a story for our 500th episode. W- let's wait until the sequels burn you out first. Then sure. we'll take another maybe, look. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Shrek three marinate a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> see see where that ends up. Um, I think I'm gonna go with an A as well. Like I said, it's 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 almost there. There's just a couple of minor tweaks and maybe giving Loomis. I don't know what I I would want them to do with his character because I I wouldn't want it to be like there's a half hour subplot of him like <laughs> he thinks he's on the trail of of uh michael myers and it just ends up being just like a punk kid who's running around with a similar looking mask or yeah. something like i wouldn't want anything like that he has I, to go he has to go to a nightclub and blend in yeah. <laughs> hey cool cats i mean as i are as i said when we were watching the movie um th- this does establish that the parents all, all the parents just kind of leave and they don't really <laughs> explain where they go so in my head my head canon is just the um the hocus pocus like uh parent 
uh, dance that happens in that movie. It's like a major plot point. I'm like, every time in a horror <laughs> film, all the parents disappear. They're going to the Halloween ball. That's what they're doing. Do you guys think the- Garth Ennis <laughs> saw Hocus Pocus and that was the seed that grew into the boys? <laughs> Can you connect the dots on that for me? Yeah, a little uh, bit? Uh, hero gasm. When all I'm uncomfortable. Anyways, next week planet. we're doing Halloween two, the first of <laughs> Halloween two. I didn't go into detail. I haven't read the book. It's um, fine. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, but this week we're going to do some recommendations because I have a new movie to recommend. Um, I took myself to the movie theater because I'm worth it. Mm-hmm. And I saw a movie that I was really looking forward to seeing um, and that I definitely recommend, and that is called Nine Days. Mm-hmm. This is the feature debut from Edson Oda, who has made some short films and music videos, which I have not seen. I literally saw a brief interview with this guy last year talking about Nine Days and thought, I should see this movie. Um, it <laughs> stars Winston Duke as this man mm-hmm. who lives in a house in the middle of nowhere and he is essentially his job to monitor life on Earth and the souls of different people as they live their lives. And when one of them passes away, he is tasked with choosing among a selection of, of unborn souls who will get to experience life. And it is a collection of actors that are very recognizable and some that aren't. The ones that aren't, I think their names are David Riesdahl and Ariana Ortiz, if I'm getting that right. Uh, they 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 get the most focus of those actors, and they're fantastic. Like I really liked both of them a lot. Uh, and the other actors you will recognize are Benedict Wong, Tony Hale, Bill Skarsgård, and Zazie Beetz. Um, every single performance in this movie is great. Benedict Wong is awesome. Zazie Beetz is so fantastic. Skarsgård's great. Tony Hale's kind of the comic relief. He's really good. Uh, Benedict Wong is kind of the comic relief too, and he gets to use his what I believe is his natural British accent, which is pretty good. Mm. Pretty good to see. Um, the movie is, it, it's very philosophical, but it doesn't like preach to you, nor does it beat you over the head. It just asks a lot of questions and lets you answer them for yourself. I, it was impossible for me to not think about my own experiences and my own answers to the things that were being posited in the movie. Um, and there, there's, there are a few points where I got teary, and there's one scene that I just completely cried out of just sheer beauty. Like, it was so beautifully put together, and it's such a gorgeous, moving moment that I just full-on felt the tear go down go down my face, and it was wonderful. Um, it looks great. It probably could do—it it probably could be a little shorter. It's about two hours, so it's not, you know, a long slog, but it could probably be a little shorter. But uh, I, I definitely recommend it. It's. It reminded me a lot of Corey Da's Afterlife. So if any if, if anybody out there has seen that and liked it, I would definitely recommend this one as a companion piece. Um, and also to see Winston Duke, who you know as M- M- Mbaku in Black Panther, and then as these two very different people in Us, to see him play this quiet scholarly man who is dealing with a lot that is sort of. Uh, uh, not fully revealed, but slowly sort of explained throughout the movie is is so good. And the movie ends. This is not like a spoiler, but 
it ends with this huge monologue that is so vivid and powerful and wonderful. Like I, I really, really liked it. Um, so I don't know what the on-demand options are for it right now. I don't, it didn't do like a co-release to my knowledge, but still it, whatever way there is to watch it, I of course recommend seeing it on the big screen, but I had a great time and it is called nine days. Either of you guys have something, Alex, are you continuing your, your campaign? Yeah, I've got a, a, once again, a fairly eclectic group of films. Uh, this one steered a lot more sci-fi uh, for the most part. Hotel um, for sci-fi. Dogs, etc. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was every <laughs> single movie I watched. I just watched it over several days. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I took a stab at rewatching the Matrix sequels, um, Reloaded and Revolutions, and I think I got a good bit out of them more than I have in any previous viewings. And maybe this is just like I have listen to like some podcasts discussing them and kind of debating the pros and cons of the films. Um, and they are still very flawed. Most of the, the problems that we laid out in our episodes, I think still hold. Uh, the main thing I got out of it was just, I understood a lot more of the philosophical conversations and I was actually getting more out of those and understanding, understanding the reason as to why they're there and how that feeds into what neo's character arc is supposed to be i still think it's a very jarring jumping from like a 15 minute philosophical conversation straight into like the most over-the-top action scene you've ever seen in your life (laughs) uh but i i was i was getting a bit more of what the wachowskis were going after and doing a rewatch it it did actually make me a little bit excited for whatever comes of the matrix four and obviously we haven't seen anything for that yet but um yeah it'll be really interesting so they're still not great um i would still say revolutions is uh what's one level slightly above bad (laughs) (laughs) also i i I would probably change (laughs) my grades for those um and i think uh tyler while you're doing your recommendation i might look back at those and see if i want to change them um but then i jumped into a completely different uh territory of film uh i watched martin scorsese's mean streets Ooh. <laughs> uh which is one of his very early films uh i didn't like it very much <laughs> um and i i think it's more just like it's it's unrefined scorsese so it has it still has a lot of his hallmarks but i i just i wasn't really enjoying it all that much um you know everyone's good in it uh it's robert de niro and Oh, God, I can't remember his name. Let me look it up real quick. Is it Keitel? Uh, yes, it's Keitel, yeah. Um, they're both really good in the movie. Uh, Robert De Niro's kind of... He's doing his over-the-top mode of acting, um, which I think can be grating when it's not used correctly. Um, and I think Scorsese does tend to use it better than than most folks. Um, but I, I feel like with me, so far with the Scorsese movies I've watched, I definitely like his more modern stuff. Uh, than I do kind of his earlier stuff. Cause I, you know, I, I, I do think it's a very good film. I, I respect it a lot. Um, but like mean streets, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of this one. I'm not the biggest fan of raging bull. Um, taxi driver is probably, I enjoyed that more of those three. Um, but that's kind of the earlier, uh, Scorsese stuff that I've watched. So okay, maybe comedy. I just need to watch, <laughs> maybe I need to, to keep watching his, his films, um, to kind of see how his, his style evolves. Yeah. You uh, like King of Comedy though. Yeah, I do like King of Comedy. I guess that's more but than that, that 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 is such a different animal though. That is yeah, completely that's true. different. That's true. And that 
that actually feeds into why a lot of people didn't like it when it first came out. <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, that movie's great. Yes. Uh, definitely, that's that's my favorite of kind of his early works. For sure. Um, but yeah, I definitely respect it in the canon of cinema. I just didn't find it all that entertaining. <laughs> um, and then I watched The Spirit. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Frank Miller parody satire dark comedy i don't know what it is he, he lives on some like pretty every frank miller thing that isn't his daredevil run continue <laughs> i know right he, he lives on some pretty mean streets too huh he he lives on the meanest of streets oh man um but the spirit is has like a 14 percent on rotten tomatoes or something like that um and i think that's more just a lot of people that didn't really understand it I think a lot of the marketing when it came out was very much like, oh, this is like a serious, dark thing. It's like 300 or Sin City. It's just like this very stylistic neo-noir thing. And it's really just like a goofy comedy that's making fun of comic book and superhero tropes. And I feel like people should have realized within the first 10 minutes when Sam Jackson hits the spirit over the head with a toilet and he says, toilets are always funny. I think people should have realized what movie they were in. And I I enjoyed it for what it was worth. I probably wouldn't give it like a hard recommendation, but I you know, I, I think it was a good enough time. It's definitely just out of out of curiosity, I think I got I got my, my time's worth out of it at least. Um Yeah, definitely definitely a, a more off kilter choice, but <laughs> it's probably worth a watch. It sounds like that's the one you like the most out of these. Um, I am getting to the one that I liked. Uh oh. Um, I watched, and this is the biggest shock of all, uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which is oh. sort of the uh, the redheaded stepchild of the Mad Max series. Of the first three, it's my favorite. <laughs> I find the first one boring and meandering, and the second one I also find boring and meandering. So this one I thought actually had a very, very, uh, you know, fairly concise plot. I I liked all the acting in it. Tina Turner's very, very good in it. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I guess it's just, it's not, it's a little different. It's not quite the typical Mad Max formula, which I think might be the reason that people don't like it as much. Like there is not a chase scene with vehicles until like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Um, so it really holds off on that. And that might be why I liked it. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me in the Mad Max franchise. Um, Fury Road is definitely still the best. That's you can't you can't beat that. Um, but I, I definitely recommend if if for people that haven't watched Beyond Thunderdome, if you've seen Road War, you've seen Fury Road. I think it's interesting to go back and look at this one. It, it's a little bit different, and I I like that about it. So I think of all the films that I I watched, I I would probably recommend that the most. I really I really enjoyed it quite a bit, and I was not expecting that. So. I haven't seen any of those except um, Fury Road. One day. One day. Tyler? I have no recommendation. <laughs> I do. I, get, I, I will say I enjoyed The Suicide Squad quite a bit. Yeah. But I feel like it's cheating to talk about it as a recommendation because we're going to talk about it as an episode eventually. I want to look biased. I would agree know. that I also liked it. The internet comes here for our unfiltered, um, you know, just like straight up, like the, our our takes where we're just like, no, we're telling it how it is. We're yeah. we're not, you know, gonna be taking te- checks from Disney or Warner nope. Brothers. 
um we're just giving you the facts uh and so i feel like if i say that if i if i give an official recommendation seal right now then people are going to be like well clearly you're in the pocket of big warner brother that's true the biggest of brother mm-hmm. tad um <laughs> yeah we're all about ethics in movie podcasting over here no yeah. sequel gate here um but i will also say that i enjoyed it uh yeah i will third that uh suicide squad's great I, I don't know. Let me let me oh, let me correct oh, that. Oh, Suicide wow. Squad oh. is a horrible monstrosity we that have... should never be repeated. The Suicide Squad is pretty darn good. We have the, the audio. Roll the tape. Yeah. The uh, the uh, the interviews contained herein do not express the <laughs> views of the entire Here Come the Sequels crew at the Incorporated uh, Office Building. Whoa! Next week on the podcast, Alex gives his review slash reaction to Suicide Squad from 2016. I was gonna say, Will Smith has a gun in it. Whoa! Next next week, Alex issues his apology for saying Suicide Suicide Squad 2016 was great. Um, if you I have wanna... to like awkwardly pull out a piece of paper, that's my speech. I'm like, wait, I completely agree with this. That movie's terrible. If you want to. Uh hear that apology uh you can find us online here come the sequels.blogspot.com you can find us on twitter at hct sequels you can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com um we're on spotify uh soundcloud other things it's good stuff uh real quick i would like to amend my grades for matrix reloaded and matrix revolutions not a lot uh, matrix reloaded i had it at a d i'm gonna move it up to a c minus and then the Matrix Revolutions, I had it at an F. I'm going to move it to a D. Hey, Alex, what did I give Rise of Skywalker? I pick an F minus, right? All right, you can keep that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am, so I, I am interested to go down this Halloween road. Uh, Halloween road. Because I have not seen these movies, and I'm I'm wondering just how different they will all feel, mm-hmm. and how long it will take us to get into good bad territory, um, and at what point we say, "Hey, eh, let's just do a commentary track." Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm interested to see where this all goes because this is the I really don't watch a lot of movies like this, so I think it'll be it'll be neat. And we've had it too good for too long. Hunger Games and Shrek, come on. Um, but this one was really great. So at least we got one. Yeah. One and out I, of 12. And I don't, I mean, I, I, I know so little about this franchise. I, I don't know when to expect the precipitous drop if, if, or if it will be a precipitous drop or rather a, a steady step down. Who knows? We'll find out. Um, sure. But we'll not find out tonight. You got to wait. Um, Next and week. We got to wait. And here come the sequels. You got to wait. Uh, Next week on Movie Smash, we debate which movie is better. Halloween 1978 or Shrek the Third? <laughs> the mm. answer is Shrek the Third. Whoa! Use facts and logic to prove it. <laughs> Look, I just want to take an objective stance and a third-person critical lens in my community that I'm building here on the internet. Look at all my my figurines in the back. <laughs> Did Halloween 1978 feature King Arthur? I think not. <laughs> That's history, which makes it legitimate. (laughs) 
anyway, ignore the Domino's pizza boxes stacked up behind me, taller than my head, and focus instead on my plushie of Clefairy from Pokemon. Fact, Halloween does not have Eddie Murphy. <laughs> no Academy Fact, Award nominees. neither here. movie has many M&Ms. This does not matter. <laughs> uh... I don't watch videos like this, so I hope I'm not being mean to someone. I probably am. Yeah. Mm. Just stop putting them in my feed and it all will be fine. <laughs> YouTube, you have heard the ransom. You have heard the ultimatum. I don't I don't Cease. need somebody telling me what they thought of the Batman trailer from a year ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it now? Are they making it now? Yeah, it'll be from, like, a week ago or something. It's like, we're reacting to the Batman trailer. Hey, guys, I've been thinking. <laughs> Why is this three hours? <laughs> uh, YouTube. It's all the same. Reading a, I was thinking about this today, that reading a film review in the New York Times, watching a YouTube review, or listening to a podcast, fundamentally, it is all the same thing. You're listening to somebody else talk about a movie. Or reading it. Uh, the experiences you will have will differ greatly, but the fundamental goal is the same. Um, not that I would put Roger Ebert on the same uh, level as the review as the create character we've created here today. I <laughs> um, movie Fred. Movie Fred. <laughs> that's good. That's the right name. I don't know what my name would have been, but that's the right and one. This week we're gonna rank. Every movie that came out in 1964. <laughs> <coughs> They're all Goldfinger. I haven't seen any other movies from 1964. Now, listen, I took a film class last semester, so let me talk about Dr. Strangelove. I have a cursory understanding of it. He rides the bomb. Nuclear stuff. That was a pretty big deal. <laughs> Not today anymore. Ever since... The big one, the big uh, deal. I don't know history. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I can say that is historically accurate and not politically incendiary. Um, but it, what I, I what I do know for a fact is that I've been Britain. Oh, that was very good. Thank I've been you. Alex. I've been Tyler. You're having a movie night. <laughs> Whoa.